This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Bottom Line podcast from Blood Red. I'm Matt Addison and I'm joined by our business of football writer Dave Powell to talk all things economics and finances around the transfer window and what comes next for both FSG and Liverpool in the market. Dave, it's been a busy few days for us covering the Reds when we didn't necessarily think that was going to be the case, but it does just show, doesn't it, if the right deal is there to be had, Liverpool and FSG are prepared to strike a deal. Yeah, I think this is the right deal, Matt. It's um, the, the the noises for, for most of January were that Liverpool wouldn't do much in this market, in this window, um, because of the options available. I think Diaz was a, a prime target for the summer, um, which was when they were they were looking to, to try and strike a deal. But as with anything in football, I mean, there's a number of wheels in motion and, um, and, and Porto's need to to kind of shift Diaz on in a, in a, in a timely fashion uh, alerted Liverpool, who, who were alerted by Porto, I believe, in terms of when Tottenham lodged a bid. Um, I think the hope there was to spark some kind of bidding war to, to take it closer to what they wanted to receive for his release clause. But ultimately, um, yeah, it's... From what we were expecting for a quiet window, it's been, you know, it was it was quite explosive, especially when you compare it to um, to last year when when the deals done were for, for Ben Davis and and kind of Ozan Kabak, and it, it it's a a real step change, I think, and it's it, it shows the changing mood and, and the changing tone, and and I think it points to to some ambition and looking towards the future, whereas last last January's transfer window for Liverpool was all about firefighting we were still into the unknown of the pandemic in terms of we'd only just started vaccination rollouts there was still um huge uncertainty around tv deals all that comes into the mix um but i think fsg feel more emboldened over the past few months um especially the tv deals that have been struck and the fact that you know the club achieved champions league football um last season and they will do it again this season and they're, they're, they're pushing hard on, on a number of fronts. I think it's emboldened them to to look to the future and obviously they missed out on Carvalho but we're, we're led to believe that that's a deal which should um, be agreed ahead of um, his contract expiring at Fulham. So it's yeah, it's exciting. I mean, they're the right profile of player, um, right price. So it's, um, it's exciting times, I think. Yeah, Luis Diaz very much one for the future, but very much one for for now as well. But I think it's really interesting that they've managed to get him for eighteen million or, or so less than his release clause. We we know that the, the release clause was around sixty six, sixty seven million. Porto going into the transfer window were keen to say that that's what it would take to get him, but ultimately Liverpool have been able to to get him for much less. Yes, and it's um, listen, Porto. Uh... We, we we look at the Portuguese league. Um, it's one of the, the bigger leagues in Europe, um, but the television money is is peanuts. And also missing out on the Champions League for a club like Porto is enormous. Um, and, and although they made the Champions League, uh, you know this time around they they missed out on the group stages, which obviously affected them hugely uh, in their last accounting period, and that has led to the having financial difficulties, which has meant they needed to sell their prized asset. There's no way that otherwise, I mean, if, if there would have been a chance of them holding fire and keeping him till the summer, then they would have done that. Um, I think they would have got a similar price from anyway, but from, from what we're led to believe that they had um, payments which were due yesterday. Um, so that was on deadline day uh, 
due to UEFA, UEFA fined them three hundred thousand euros um, for unpaid uh, debts to other clubs for players, and that has you know that's come back to bite them. And they had a number of other uh, kind of debts and obligations to pay yesterday, and they needed the money there and then. It was, I mean, having the you know instalments paid in six months, twelve months, um, while some of that deal, you know, some of that is factored into this deal. Liverpool had you know got wind of the fact that. Porto needed to sell, and once you know someone needs to sell, um, you've got the negotiating position, you've got the strong hand. Um, and yeah, so it was a case of Liverpool willing to pay them €8 million Euros, um, pretty much as soon as uh, Diaz had completed his medical, taken off the, uh, the the vest, which monitors your heart rate. I think that money had been deposited in... Um, in Porto's bank account, which meant they could pay that. Um, I think Tottenham would have offered to match what Liverpool were doing, but the difference, um, which was is valuable in the future to Porto, not just for the here and now, is that um, they were more confident with Liverpool achieving the add-ons um, that they were going to tie into the deal. So things such as Champions League football, um, things tied into how many goals he would score during a season. The prospect of Champions League football for Liverpool is far greater and for success in, Cham- in the Champions League for Luis Diaz is far greater with Liverpool than it is for Tottenham. The You, you would argue that the odds for him scoring more goals uh, in a Premier League season is higher with Liverpool than it is for Tottenham by virtue of the way Liverpool play. Um, it's a better squad of players. All these things, I think Porto felt more secure in the fact that um, they would achieve these things. And also Diaz wasn't really sold on going to to Tottenham. Um, I think he wanted to go for a team which was chasing for the title and and, and guaranteed Champions League football. Um, But ultimately, it is that €8 million that Liverpool paid that has really kind of been what made the deal happen yesterday and and not just kicking the can down the road. Because also, um, Porto have got to pay... There have been 20% of that deal goes to Diaz's old club in Colombia, Atletico Junior. I think that's around €9 million. Euros. And then when you take into account agents' fees and all sorts, um, it's the, you know, the, the fee that they're left with isn't the fee that you see. Um, so it was important that they had some money up front there and then to be able to kind of fight their own fires. And, and ultimately, that's what Liverpool do very well. I mean, that release clause has been there for, for Diaz for a reason to, to ward off teams coming in and stealing him for, for less than his market value. And, and you'd argue that the money they've paid and you look around at what you can get in the market for that kind of money, you, you think it's a, it's a good deal. Yeah. 16 goals already this season for a player of, of that kind of fee. It does really seem like a, a good deal from Liverpool's point of view. I mean, amortization is, is a word that comes up quite a lot. Obviously the, the kind of way that the deal is, is paid, obviously it's not just paid in, in one lump sum of you, as you've kind of explained there. I mean, we know already that the payment structure, for example, for Diogo Jota in the past was structured in a way that really benefited Liverpool and allowed them to do the, the deal for him. Is is there any indication in terms of, of this Luis Diaz deal of, of how that's going to be paid? And is that again in, in Liverpool's favour or is that something that, that maybe they couldn't negotiate on because Porto are in such a, a dire financial position? Um, I, I, from we've seen conflicting reports in terms of uh, when the instalments are going to be paid, but ultimately, I mean that's just a 
uh, a cash flow issue that when, as and when they get paid. I mean, for accounting purposes, that, that deal will be spread across the lifetime of his contract. So five-year deal, 37.5 million. Um, it appears in Liverpool's accounts as um, as around 7 and 7.4 million, I think 7.5 million per season over the next five years. So um, that's how it will be, you know, that's how it features in the accounts. I mean, anything else is, is a case of... Um, the, the timeline in terms of their payments. I believe it's, I mean, they, they paid this money up front to Porto, um, this 8 million euros. Um, I think it's probably going to be another two instalments and then, um, you know, whatever add-ons kick in over the period of time. But, um, but yeah, amortisation is that it's, it's a case of how, how a deal is accounted for um, over, and that's spread over the length, lifetime of a contract. Um, and there are a number of, uh, renegotiations with contracts Liverpool did um, over the summer with, with players who still had transfer fees featuring in the account. So the likes of Alison Becker, Virgil van Dijk, Fabinho, um, they were players whose transfer fees were still featuring in some way um, in, into the accounts. So extending their contracts into a longer period extends the life of that contract further and the value stretches so it reduces the amortization payments i think last year liverpool's amortization costs well the last accounting period for 2019-20 was they're around 106 million that was down 6 million from the previous year i imagine when the accounts are published which i'm told are going to be at the end of february uh that's going to be down by uh, that's going to be down again um depending on well it will be down again i mean what happens next year if they get salah to sign a new new contract i mean that's um that that changes things, but certainly for, for, for the next accounting period, they should be down again. And I think Liverpool's lack of spend in, I mean, they only brought in Canate in the summer. Um, they, in, in the last January, they didn't do an awful lot. Uh, obviously, the summer before that was Jota uh, and Thiago, but Thiago, you know, was 20 million um, spread over, I think it was, was it four years, his deal, I think, so it's five million a year. Um, so, so they had room to, to make additions really so i think this has all come at the right time and what i do think it points to is the fact that i mean we saw liverpool try and make a move for fabio carvalho uh just at the the very end of deadline and i think what that will point to is that liverpool will be active again in the summer um diaz was a summer target that's happened now um for for reasons that it, the value was there now um but I, I don't think this affects liverpool trying to make moves in the summer i mean I think there could be one or two um, new additions, and I think one of them might be a fairly kind of major addition if they do try and push that. They have the room to do it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, we'll we'll come to that in in more detail in a couple of minutes' time. I wanted to to ask you about Mohamed Salah's contract as well that, that you mentioned there, obviously. January is sorted. Liverpool have, have done what they needed to do there. The next question then really before the end of, of this season is what happens next with not just Salah, but the other contracts as well. Plenty of, of other players with you know 18 months or, or six months left on, on their deals. There's some big decisions to be made. Liverpool have one of the biggest wage bills of any club in the world, but they do have the capacity to do this, don't they? It's, it's not a case of they're being hamstrung. It's It's a case of they have to make the, the decisions over the course of, of what is best really for, for the long-term future. But if they want to do it, they can do it. They do. Salah provides me a bit of a, a, a conundrum, I think, because they've acquired a player who has then turned into um, 
arguably the best player in the world um, at points of the past 12 months, um, who at 29 is still able to command, you know, he's kind of at the peak of his powers in terms of what he's able to command financially. So that, it it causes a a slight problem, especially when you're an attacker um, and and everything has just kind of gone his way in terms of um, how his profile has increased. Uh, You have African football's most um, kind of idolised superstar at present you have um kind of a, a, a kind of a muslim footballer who appeals to to muslims all over the world and opens up new markets and new doors for liverpool so i think it's um it, it, it's a different one for liverpool and and it's the first time they're really going to have to think about how do they work this into their wage structure because Klopp works as a small squad and part of that is to do with squad harmony so you're not keeping too many big name players on major wages kicking their heels in, in the reserves and not doing an awful lot I mean even fringe players like Divock Origi play a considerable part when you look at the stats towards the end of the season you know they're not just playing one or two games they they play a role um, and for Salah I mean there will have to be the acknowledgement that they're, they're probably going to have to pay more than um, what they usually would feel comfortable in doing in terms of that that wage structure, but it, it it's Mohamed Salah. I mean, you, you can't replace him for less than what they would have to pay. Uh, not even close. I mean, any of the players that we've mentioned previously about Mbappe and and, and players like that. I mean, Mbappe's already signaled he's going to Real Madrid in the summer, and he would have cost far more than what it's going to cost to renegotiate Mohamed Salah. So, I mean, I think that'll get done. But then they have a number of other. Questions to answer. I mean, what happens with Sadio Mane? Um, now Luis Diaz comes into the, into the frame, and Fabio Carvalho is obviously seen as someone. And if they do get that done, um, who is to be someone who who plays a part further on down the line? I mean, Mane has eighteen months left on his deal. I don't think there's been any formal negotiation yet. I'm sure they, you know, they'd like to keep him. He's a he's a fantastic player. But there comes a point where we haven't had it for a little while, where some of these some of the big players have to become sellable assets again. So is that Naby Keita? Is that Sadio Mane? Um, but the problem is you have, when you have 18 months left on a contract, you're either offering a contract for them to stay or you're offering them a contract to raise the value in the transfer market to be able to bring more money in. And and, and some players aren't too keen to to do that for, for obvious reasons that it, it might hamstring them when it comes to finding a new club uh, and negotiating kind of good wages at a new club. So um, there's a couple of key ones to answer there, especially over Kaito and Mane, I think, uh, in terms of how they fit into to Liverpool's longer-term plans and, and what they're going to do with the contracts there. Because I think it's quite obvious what they've done over the past 12 months is get that core, the nucleus sorted. They've got Alisson, Van Dijk. Um, they, they, you know, they, they extended Jordan Henderson. Fabinho is seen as there for the long term. You got Trent. So, so all the the kind of the key players that have been put in place. Obviously, Salah, someone they want to keep. Um, but Luis Luis Diaz isn't coming in to to warm the bench and kick his heels. And I think Diogo Jota um, will think now is his time to be a bona fide starter for Liverpool week in week out and be part of that kind of uh, you know that trio of, of forwards that that have been so explosive under Klopp under various guises. So you wonder whether is Mane going to be the fall guy around that? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm purely surmising here, but I just think the contract situation for him um, and you look at the contract situation for Kaita, do they seek to move on those players to 
and kind of strengthen their hand in, in the summer market. Um, I think that that seems to be a, something which would tick an FSG box. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the same situation for Roberto Firmino as well, isn't it, in terms of, of the yeah. contract? I mean, how likely do you think is it that Liverpool could do Salah, Firmino and Mane? I mean, it, to, to me, that would seem like a, a big commitment to, to go down to do all three of those contracts with Luis Diaz here, with Diogo Jota there. Obviously, to have five forwards is, is ideal, but just with the age, that the price that that would be, it, it seems slightly unlikely to me that all three of those would get done. From... Um... You know, for, this is not me providing insight into terms of what I think Jurgen Klopp's going to do because I don't know. Um, the but I find it very hard to believe that, um, given how FSG have operated in the past, um, how the how they move, how how the club operates its recruitment strategy, I find it very hard to believe that um, Salah, Firmino, and Mane all remain on new deals. Uh, I just don't think it chimes with the age of the profile of the squad, the fact they've invested in someone like Luis Diaz, um, and they're looking at someone like Fabio Carvalho. Listen, Carvalho knows his, his value almost now because he's he's shining in the championship and he, he's he's not going to just come in and, and think, well, I'll, I'm happy to maybe play every now and again for, you know, and, and never be a, a real kind of player at Liverpool. They obviously see him as someone that is going to challenge that for these roles in the future. And, and it's hard to see how... You encompass, you know, Firmino and Mane uh, in that as well. I mean, Salah is the one I want to keep because he is a talisman. Um, but for it's hard, I, I, I don't see a financial um, point to be made for keeping two players who will be in their thirties, whose values are heading down. Um, fine, fine players, still excellent players, but you would argue that neither are operating at the level um, they have done in the past, while still operating at a high level, um, you, you kind of feel like maybe Liverpool have got the best out of them and they're still getting a lot out of them, but they've probably got the best out of them, whereas Salah continues to defy um, all the predictions that there'll be a tail off. He just keeps getting better and better. So you, and Liverpool need to, and they need, they do succession planning. That's what they do. So this seems now to be the phase of this is succession planning. I think the players who will remain, who they see as core to, their group in terms of the experienced players have all signed new contracts apart from Salah. Um, I think the rest, it's kind of, it's up in the air and it will depend on what the interest is, who they're interested in and whether they can use them as bargaining chips um, to try and give themselves more financial muscle uh, in the transfer window. Yeah, it certainly could be one of the most interesting summers for a while, I think, for, for Liverpool in terms of what decisions they make in, in terms of incomings and, and outgoings as well. But uh, just to, to finish off then, let's have a, a, a bit of a look ahead to the summer. Obviously, Luis Diaz, we know, is is one that they thought they were going to do then, but they've brought it forward. You mentioned before that there is scope for them to do one or two more deals, potentially big deals as well in the summer. What do you think the, the summer looks like in terms of, of the transfer incomings for Liverpool? Obviously, it depends to some extent on the outgoings, but what, what's the kind of expectation at, at this stage? Well, I think um, from the noises we've seen um, already towards the end of this this window, I think we kind of assume that Origi, Minamino, uh, Nat, you know, Nat Phillips is, you know, obviously went to Bournemouth um, yesterday on loan, wasn't it? So it's, I mean, there's, there's all these players that will likely, you know, depart and Liverpool receive some money for, but it's not going to be game-changing uh, in terms of their strategy, but they will know that. Um, 
there is space for kind of another big signing uh, in in a key area. You look at central midfield and you look at someone who, if they're going to spend big now, it's going to be um, on someone who has longevity, um, but is also operating at a high level. And I know we come back to these Jude Bellingham links, but to me that makes, um, you know, while a, while a high price, I think he's one of the very few players in Europe where you pay that money and he his value immediately increases despite the fact you're signing him from a kind of a top five league. Um, so someone like someone like that seems to make a lot of sense, but it all depends on on the financial aspect of it. But I mean, he's still going to be 18 in the summer. I think he turns 19 back end of the summer. And it's crazy to think that he's operating at such a high level. Um, and it is in that area you think Liverpool do need um, an element of, of kind of forward planning. I mean, we the, there isn't really the youth in there at the level that they would want to, to carry on challenging. I know they've got some fine players in there that, are, you know, are playing, play their part. That's Curtis Jones and you've got Harvey Elliott to come back. But you feel like they need another star in there because um, the production of some of the players is only going to decline. I mean, Jordan Henderson has been a fantastic servant, but it's not going to go on forever. Um, they can't always rely on James Milner to, um, you know, to, to deliver at a high level. I mean, they always age catches up and, um, and, and also there is the need to plan for, for what comes next because it is more expensive to go into a transfer window needing to address issues in three or four departments, major issues, than it is to make one or two big additions kind of move, moving through a cycle. Um, so I think that's what they might do. Um, Salah is, is obviously the key. I think they've done their forward business. In, once If they get Carvalho done and they get Salah done, I don't think we're seeing more forward forward additions come in. Um, they kind of scratched that itch with defensively for Konate, um last summer, so you feel that he will be required to step up um, to, to really become that senior senior partner to, to Van Dijk in the future. But then you've, so you wonder what happens with Joe Gomez. Um, is Joe Matic, you know, will he be happy to, to, to play a bit part? I, I don't know. So you wonder whether it seems like central midfield is, is the area where there will be a um, a major move made, um, and hence the noise we make around Jude Bellingham. But um, you imagine there's several targets that they've got in mind there. But they don't do things um, by half measures. Liverpool, I think, if they do make a a, a, a splash in the market this this summer, it will be something which has been very much considered over a long period of time. I mean, I think Diaz they've been watching for three years, and they finally, you know decided to press the button and make their move. So I don't think it'll be anything done without um without full uh full scouting and uh, a full scouting report available to Jurgen Klopp and and uh, and knowing that they are pretty sure that they're gonna make, you know, prove transformational in the way that Alison Becker did and Virgil van Dijk did. Yeah, it certainly could be an interesting few months, wouldn't it, for Liverpool? Fabio Cavallio, as you say, one that could still happen as well. One to, to keep an eye on, even though that deal broke down at the last minute, just before the deadline yesterday. It could well still happen in the summer. Could be one or two more to keep an eye on as well. But I think that's all we've got time for on the latest edition of the Bottom Line podcast from myself, Matt Addison, and from Dave Powell. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.